Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maté. The New York Post recently published a series of articles based on a trove of leaked emails purportedly from the laptop of Hunter Biden, the son of Joe Biden. These emails appear to show more evidence of Hunter Biden cashing in on his proximity to his father, Joe Biden, while Joe Biden was vice president. But the reaction to the story from the Post's media colleagues was quite different than normal. Instead of reporting on the story and evaluating the emails on their merits, news media outlets and former intelligence officials immediately declared them as disinformation. Twitter and Facebook even prevented people from sharing the New York Post articles on their platforms. And then came a round of declarations that the emails were in fact the product of Russia. And to me, this is uh, just classic uh, textbook uh, Soviet-Russian uh, tradecraft at work. Uh, the Russians have analyzed the target. They understand that the president and his enablers uh, crave uh, dirt on Vice President Biden, whether it's real or contrived, that doesn't matter to them. And so all of a sudden, two, two and a half weeks before the election, uh, this laptop appears somehow. We're in a much different situation now because we now know that Russian disinformation or foreign disinformation or even this, you know, campaign disinformation period is as dangerous to our democracy as anything exposed in these emails. This, this particular smear, though, uh, has also been acknowledged to come from the Kremlin. Uh, and there it is in the Oval Office, another wonderful propaganda coup for Vladimir Putin, seeing the President of the United States holding up a newspaper promoting Kremlin propaganda. It's really incredible. The director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, has responded to all this by saying that the U.S. intelligence community does not believe that the Hunter Biden story comes from a Russian operation. Let me be clear. The intelligence community doesn't believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that supports that. And we have shared no intelligence with Chairman Schiff or any other member of Congress that Hunter Biden's laptop is part of some Russian disinformation campaign. It's simply not true. The FBI has concurred with Ratcliffe, saying that it has nothing more to add to his statement. But that has not stopped the widespread claims that really all of this is Russia's fault. The latest comes in a letter signed by dozens of former intelligence officials that says that the Hunter Biden story, quote, has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation, unquote. The officials, the former officials say this, even though they also acknowledge that, quote, we do not have evidence of Russian involvement. Well, joining me now is a former intelligence officer who, suffice it to say, does not share the assessment of his former colleagues that this is all a Russian information operation. And that's because he has been at the forefront these last many years of pushing back against Russiagate disinformation. I'm talking about Ray McGovern, a former longtime CIA officer. He served as the chief of the CIA's Soviet Analyst Division, chaired the National Intelligence Estimates, and prepared the President's Daily Brief under Presidents Reagan and the first President Bush. He's also the co-founder of Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity. Ray McGovern, welcome to Pushback. Thanks, Aaron. Let me start by asking you your response to this letter signed by 
Former officials, including John Brennan of the CIA and Jim Clapper, the former head of the National Intelligence Office, uh, claiming that they believe that this Hunter Biden story has, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. Well, we have another situation, Aaron, where uh, we don't have any evidence, but uh, this bears all the all the earmarks. Uh, this is garbage, you know. This is uh, well. If you look at the first name on that list, it's Jim Clapper. Now, I want to tell you, Jim Clapper is the quintessential Russian analyst. He allowed himself to say in late May of 2017, he told uh, Chuck Todd, he said, and I quote. I will tell you that um, uh, my dashboard warning light was clearly on, and I think that was the case with uh, all of us in the intelligence community, very concerned about uh, the nature of these uh, uh, approaches uh, to the Russians. Uh, if you put that in context with everything else we knew the Russians were doing to interfere with the election and just uh, <clears throat> the historical practices of the Russians who are uh, typically uh, almost uh, genetically driven to co-opt, um, penetrate, um, gain favor, whatever, uh, which is a typical, uh, Russian, uh, typical Russian technique. So we, we were concerned. <laughs> okay. One of the commentators said, you know, this is xenophobic and racist, for God's sake. A whole, a whole people are, uh, are genetically driven to be, uh, to deceive, to co-opt, to, to penetrate and gain favor. Oh, come on. So this is, uh, this is James Clapper. Now, you have to forgive him because he grew up in the Air Force and became a general there. And he subscribed to the old, uh, you know, the old, a ethos of General Curtis LeMay, uh, who spent his life trying to obliterate the Russians, or at least to bomb them to smithereens. So, um, so that's who, who is beside all this. Now, this has a history, Aaron. I mean, how did a guy like this get to be then the director of national intelligence? Now, as a matter of fact, when he lied before Congress under oath, with respect to whether NSA was monitoring all our emails and telephone calls, et cetera, and said no, uh, and then was proven wrong when Ed Snowden came out and said yes, uh, he apologized to Congress by, by saying, uh, yeah, what I said was clearly, uh, was, was clearly deceiving or clearly uh, wrong, okay? Uh, now, what happened? I believe his term, Ray, I believe his term was, I said, I'm sorry, I said the least untruthful thing I could say. That's how he tried to explain his lie. He said it was the least untruthful thing <laughs> I could say. Yeah. Well, that's what he said to the press. What he said in a formal letter to Congress was that it was a, a clearly um, misleading. Uh, I wish I had the exact word. Uh, it'll come to me. But this was an official letter apologizing, say it was, oh yeah, oh, here it is, clearly erroneous, it's coming back to me now. So he was allowed to stay in that position for just, just a little while, like three and a half years. <laughs> and then Obama put him in, in charge of this, this incredibly stupid intelligence community assessment, uh, which said that Putin uh, ordered the, the hacking of, 
of the, of the DNC emails. Now, there's another example of what we're up against here. Um, that, of course, is, is proven to be false. Uh, you and I recognize that right off the bat as soon as we got the official transcript of the testimony of the head of CrowdStrike. Now, for your, for your viewers, CrowdStrike was the cyber firm that James Comey, in his wisdom, deferred to and said, now you do the forensics on that terrible hack that John McCain is calling an act of war by Russia. You do the forensics and tell us what you think. Well, <laughs> it, it, they never gave uh, they never gave Comey a final report, and they they prattle this uh, legend uh, that the Russians hacked the DNC. But uh, when the head of CrowdStrike was forced to to testify under oath, the date was December five, two thousand seventeen. Um, uh, Adam Schiff, uh, the chair of the committee at the time, House Intelligence Committee, said, uh, "Now, uh, uh, Mr. Henry." Uh, tell us, uh, do, do you know exactly when the Russians hacked into the DNC? And Henry said, oh, yeah. Oh, then his lawyer pulled his head. Uh, <laughs> and Henry said, well, actually, uh, we don't have any evidence uh, that uh, uh, the DNC emails were exfiltrated, a fancy word for hacked. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we don't have any evidence that they were exfiltrated by anybody. Russia or anybody else. Whoa! This is very important to stress, Ray. So Sean Henry goes in December 2017. We only got his testimony recently, kept under wraps for, you know, over three years, but, uh, or, or for almost three years. But he is asked by Adam Schiff, quote, do you know the date in which the Russians exfiltrated the data from the DNC? And let me read to you Sean Henry's immediate answer. I do. I have to just think about it. I don't know. I mean, it's in our report that I think the committee has. And then Schiff says, and to the best of your recollection, when would that have been? So this is not in the transcript, but obviously at that point, then Henry's attorneys who was there with him leaned over and said something because then in the transcript, Henry says, counsel just reminded me that as it relates to the DNC, we have indicators that data was exfiltrated. We do not have concrete evidence that data was exfiltrated from the DNC, but we have indicators that it was exfiltrated. And as you say, this admission was kept under wraps. So it's remarkable for two reasons. One, the head of CrowdStrike, the firm that generated the Russian hacking allegation, is saying they don't have evidence that anything was stolen from the DNC server. And B, the fact is he did not even seem aware of that until he was reminded by his attorneys. So in other words, he was either unaware or he was preparing to lie until his attorneys intervened. I think it was the latter uh, because he does refer to his attorney, as you say, right away and said, my attorney tells me that we didn't, don't have any evidence that it was exfiltrated. You know, um, what's, uh, what you probably were going to also say, Aaron, but I'll, I'll try to scoop you here. Uh, that was on the 7th of December, 2017. So they did keep that secret for a long time. Finally, the new uh, acting director of national intelligence told Adam Schiff, the head of the committee, look, you either you release that testimony or I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was only on May 7th this year, 2020, 2020, that uh, that was released. May 7th. Uh, do the arithmetic. I think that's more than five months 
Uh, have you seen it in the New York Times? Have you seen it in Washington? <laughs> I've seen it on the gray zone. I've seen it in Real Clear Investigations where I wrote about it. I've seen it, uh, you, Ray, have written about it for Consortium News. I've seen it on a couple of other, you know, uh, you know, alternative sites, but nowhere in the, anywhere, nowhere even really close to the mainstream. So, you know, there's a lesson here, right? Uh, the mainstream media can suppress this thing. And uh, fast forward to today, they're suppressing the hell out of the uh, Joe Biden or Hunter Biden email hard drive stuff because they don't want anything like that before before the election. Now, I have to confess right up front that I voted. My wife and I voted yesterday after a lot of soul searching. We voted for Joe Biden holding our nose. OK, <laughs> why? Well, you know, Noam Chomsky, uh, Dan Ellsberg, uh, um, others whom I greatly admire are not wrong about this. There is indeed a lesser evil here that happens to be Biden. And, and from a faith perspective, I care first and foremost, and I weigh a government first and foremost by how it, how it treats widows, orphans, refugees. Uh, and so it was hands down to a uh, decision for me. So I say that because uh, I also say, as you know from years, uh, that there are times when Trump is not lying. Okay, so it's only 2% of the time, right? But he's not lying about the Russian hoax. And I, I don't, I don't, I'm not bashful about using that term because it was a Russian host. And, and all kinds of people got roped into it. I was just reviewing some stuff from my files and Matt Taibbi, okay, Matt, terrific guy, okay? Now, uh, what's it, three years ago or so, he said, uh, what do you say? Uh, you know, it's uh, the case that the Russians hacked the DNC now appears fairly solid. Come on, Matt. It was an otherwise very good article about, you know, let's not go off half crocked with the Russian stuff. But, you know, it, uh, why didn't he, let me put it this way. When I was the national intelligence officer for a certain part of the world, um, I had at my beck and call the, the best analysts from the whole intelligence community. In other words, I was working for the director in his community role. And so if a problem came up, I could select Joe or Mary or whomever and ask for their expertise and include it in what I gave to the president and to the director first in the first instance. Now, uh, when this business about a hack came up, I was in a similar position because I'm sort of the titular head, at least, of the veteran intelligence professionals for sanity. I looked at our roster and i saw hey, oh my god we we've got two former technical directors from the nsa what do they say about this well the, the story is on the record bill binney and i uh, wrote uh, in december of 2016 that it could not have been a hack nsa would have that information nsa clearly didn't have that information and then we saw technical earmarks technical earmarks that it was rather a thumb drive that was stuck into a computer or a server, put in somebody's pocket, not, not Poutine's pocket, but somebody else's pocket, taken across the Atlantic and given to whoever, and WikiLeaks published it. Now, that was big. 
I could have full trust in Bill Binney because of his universally ex accepted and, and revered reputation still at NSA, and because I knew he's telling me the same, the, the, the real scoop. Why couldn't anybody else believe that? Because it cut across the grain of this whole Russia Gate thing, which, like those banks in 2008, 2009, is too big to fail. It's just too big to fail. There's too much crow to go around to eat, uh, and they won't eat it. So even this hard evidence, for example, uh, what we just talked about, the Sean Henry testimony of December 2017. You know, um, what's his name? Uh, not Schiff, but uh, Devin Nunes, the ranking member of that committee. He complained bitterly in an interview with Fox. He says, you know, why did nobody leak that? I mean, it could have could have stopped the Mueller thing. It could have. Why did nobody leak that? Well, come on, congressmen can leak. They can get up on the floor of Congress and tell what they know, as long as it's not it's not going to imperil nuclear information or uh, surface CIA agents. Now, those are the only two things they can't do. And so why did Nunes get up there? You know why? Because they're afraid. Even Nunes is afraid of the intelligence community. And, you know, that's that's the problem here, because Trump is not running this country, nor will Biden. Here's Trump. You know, talk about what Nixon used to talk about, not being a pitiable, helpless giant. Well, that's what Trump is. I mean, he's saying, look, uh, we need the intelligence. We, we need the attorney general to appoint somebody to look into these Biden emails. Well, who's the president? <laughs> yeah. We, is he telling Fox News that we need this? Why does he tell Attorney General Barr? He says, look, uh, stop fooling around with this stuff. Find out if those are real. And if they're real, make sure that it gets, gets out into the public consciousness. So, yeah, they're afraid. And I include Barr and I include this guy Durham out there in Connecticut who's supposed to be looking into the origins of, of Russiagate. As long as the president doesn't have the guts to say, look, do I order you to release this information and with very few redactions, unless he says that, they're not going to do it. If he says, I authorize uh, release of all this information and I authorize it without redactions, three questions, three <laughs> exclamation points, they're not going to do it. They're going to explain away, well, he didn't really mean that. OK, so, you know, this is really important to, to know, because if Biden wins and I hope he does. He's going to be subjected to the same national security state, this time on steroids because they won, because they tried to prevent someone from becoming president. They tried to destroy his presidency and they still came up smelling like roses. And James Clapper, John Brennan, um, the people who signed that, that idiot letter about uh, ah, smells like the Russians must be the Russians. Uh, those people are going to live to fight another day. No one will be held accountable. And that's a real cost that people are blissfully unaware of. Uh, that, that will reign if Biden wins for sure. If Trump wins, well, you know, he might summon the backbone. They may, there may be a backbone implant operation they can do at Georgetown University Hospital. And uh, maybe he could uh, make sure he faced down these folks because they are pernicious. They are vicious. And uh, they are incredibly vulnerable because when they tried to prevent him from becoming president, when they tried to emasculate his presidency, uh, 
the first part came when they were sure Hillary's going to win. I mean, they said, Jim Comey says it in his book. I was up, quote, I was operating in an environment in which I was certain that Hillary Rodham Clinton would be the next president of the United States, period, end quote. Well, hello, if you're operating in that environment, uh, you do everything you can to facilitate her win, and you get commended or promoted after she does win. You don't, you don't get indicted, right? And more important, you don't take the rudimentary um, security steps you would ordinarily take to disguise hydra tracks uh, for this felony. So they didn't hide their tracks. The, the evidence is out there. You well, and I have as well. Well, let me ask you about that, right? First of all, let me say I agree with you um, on a Biden versus Trump. I think that a Biden presidency would just be less dangerous for the world than a Trump presidency would. Not even so much because of Trump himself, who I, I think is just a clown, but the people around Trump, I think, are just more dangerous than the people around Biden, even though I think the people around Biden are very dangerous. And I think actually, ideally, it'd be great if Trump lost and because he's on the way out anyway, that that's when he declassifies everything and we find out what really happened to start Russiagate. But on that front, let me ask you, given the level of fraud that it took to pull this off, to you know concoct this idea that there was collusion between Trump, we had former intelligence officials or current intelligence officials leaking all sorts of false stories about contacts between Trump and Russia, and certainly what was likely fraud in making the attribution to Russia itself, including relying on CrowdStrike. Would it be easy for people who pulled this off to destroy, to have, to have had already, already destroyed key evidence? No. Uh, and the reason, <laughs> I can say that pretty definitively, the reason being that they were sure Hillary was going to win. I quoted Comey's book, for example. Um, you know, right, but after but after she lost, they still had you know many months still in office after November 2016. They were still there up until at least up until Trump came in in on January 20th or 21st, 2017. That's true, but you and I already know enough evidence that was that's already out there uh, that shows what was going on. Uh, there's been a lot of lying in Congress. Uh, a lot of Congress know what's going on, too, and they don't have, I have to say, hate to say this, they don't have the courage to move against the national security state any more than the administration does. So the evidence, I believe, is, is out there. Uh, Durham has a whole bunch of it. Uh, you know, when the president says, oh, uh, I have a chance to destroy the deep state and my attorney general has the evidence. Uh, he, he, he has a, a, a date with the future. He's going to do that. He, he has an opportunity to rise to the occasion. Well, it's all rhetoric. It's all uh, what Lyndon Johnson used to call a big hat, no cattle. OK, what? here we are 13 days before the election. Where is the courage to publish this stuff? It doesn't exist. And Durham is going to do exactly what he's told. Let's face it. He already uh, punted when he was asked to investigate CIA torture with evidence that wouldn't quit. So he quit and they're all quitting. And that's the price. That's the price that we've paid by a, a Biden administration. It's not a negligible price. But, you know, on balance, uh, what you said, I think is correct. Um, Trump is much more a threat than anyone else. I mean, I look at it from the Russians' point of view. Uh, you know, they're cheering for Biden because Biden wants to renew New Start, the last accord limiting the nuclear weapons arsenals of both countries. Putin has said that 
it's it, it, he looks favorably on the fact that Biden supports renewing it unconditionally, whereas the Trump administration could be on the verge of killing it. Although, as we're speaking now, they're talking about maybe renewing it for a short window of one year. Yeah. Well, you know, picture Trump on steroids. <laughs> it's just 10 days or so ago, literally on steroids, putting out 42 suites in, in the space of an hour, most of them on consequential matters. That's the same fellow with, the, with his fingers on the nuclear, nuclear codes. Now, we don't get leaks from the intelligence community anymore because of fear of going to prison for 35 years. But in the old days, someone would have said, the Russians are on full alert. Be aware, the Russians are on full alert. So if some Air Force pilot takes it into his head, as they did during the Cuban Missile Crisis, to fly into Soviet airspace, there could be real, real trouble. Now, in that case, the Russians were smart enough to say, look, if it's just one aircraft, it's probably not a full-scale nuclear attack. But how about now? We have a, a fellow who's on steroids, or was. Uh, the Russians must be on full, full alert. And you, you mean that they're going to prefer this kind of guy to, to Biden, who is a, bit, a little bit more pedestrian? In addition to that, Putin himself has said, you know, these people talk about how close uh, Trump is to, to me. I mean, yeah, well, how, how, that's why he gives, me, gives us all these sanctions, sanctions here, sanctions there, sanctions. Uh, hello, you know, as if to say, I don't like this kind of closeness uh, to an American president. You know, I will say this about Putin. We are very lucky to have a dispassionate, cool customer on the other side of the uh, nuclear divide. And uh, I say that without any hesitation. Uh, he's a statesman. And I think that there's a chance that if Biden gets rid of all these people that are advising him now and talks to some sensible people, there's a chance that uh, we can not only avoid nuclear war, but we can kind of repair the relationship with Russia as Reagan did, as the first George Bush did. It's possible that there is no real reason why we have to be at loggerheads and at such a dangerous pass. Well, if you listen to the people around Biden, like uh, Mike Carpenter or Tony Blinken, his top foreign policy advisors, they certainly would not favor that course. But I hope you're right that he might listen to other people. Let me go back to this letter from these former intelligence officials, because the top signatories, as we've talked about, are Jim Clapper and John Brennan. John Brennan, who headed the CIA uh, under Obama, and Jim Clapper, who was the director of national intelligence. And what I found striking was that the language in this letter in which they say that the Hunter emails have the earmarks of a Russian information operation, they're actually very similar to the language that was used in the January 2017 so-called intelligence community assessment that was supposed to be taken as the you know uh, holy Bible for all Russiagate reporting that Putin waged the sweeping interference campaign with the aim of electing Trump. So, for example, in both the Biden letter and the so-called intelligence community assessment, they say that, you know, Russia's actions here would be or, or if this comes from Russia, it would be consistent with Russian objectives and goals. So even the two uh, uh, even the two uh, documents, this new letter and this assessment from, you know, four years ago, just have these parallels. And I'm wondering it is given that Clapper and Brennan, who oversaw the production of this intelligence community assessment of January 2017, 
Given that they're willing to sign on to this new letter accusing Russia of being behind the Hunter emails, even though no one from the Biden camp has disputed the authenticity of a single uh, email, and even though the letter even acknowledges that they have no evidence of Russian uh, of, of Russia being behind this laptop story, doesn't that then raise new questions about the about the validity and the seriousness of the January 2017 intelligence community assessment that Brennan and Clapper oversaw? Sure, sure it does. Now, uh, the first answer, of course, is that they feel they're confident in doing this because the mainstream media will hold it, will suppress it. And there's only 13 days left, all right? That gives them the confidence, and that's the big deal. The media is the, the cornerstone here. Now, getting back to, I'm really glad, Aaron, that, that you used so-called before intelligence community assessment. As uh, most of your viewers probably already know, the only word that's correct in, in that title is assessment. And in the intelligence world, assessment means uh, you know, using the swag factor. Uh, that's a scientific wild-ass guess, okay? <laughs> now, intelligence, it wasn't very intelligent. Community? Ah, it was the community. Remember Hillary Clinton, the others got up, the 17 intelligence agencies in the intelligence <laughs> And she got away with that for four months. And finally, Clapper said before the, uh, uh, I guess it was the Senate, uh, Senate Intelligence Committee, and he's asked, uh, what about them? They're all 17. How about that? And, and he says, well, now, uh, Senator, um, I should clarify, uh, uh, it, it wasn't 17. It was really, it was only, it was only three. Uh, and uh, the senator says, well, uh, only three? He said, actually, uh, it, but it was handpicked. Handpicked analysts from those three. Now, <laughs> Clapper is so dumb <laughs> that he thought handpicked would oh, that would be a, that'd be a good thing, right? But we all know what handpicked means. You 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 handpick the solution. You handpick the analysts that hook up to that solution. Now, the interesting thing here is that it looks like John Durham is taking paying renewed attention to how this thing evolved because there was a, it was a charade. You know, let me explain. And I've talked to James Clapper. That's right. You, you are, you are one of the few people, the few Russiagate skeptics who have actually confronted the people behind Russiagate in person. You, you questioned James Clapper and you also questioned Adam Schiff. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, as far as Clapper is concerned, you know, uh, he talked a lot about uh, Russia Gate and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I, I challenged him, and uh, he said, "Oh no, the forensics are just incredible. The forensics, what forensics? <laughs> the head of CrowdStrike says there aren't any forensics. So, what forensics is he talking about? Um, we have a, a real deficit in." Uh, objective analysis of Russia. And let me just briefly explain why. When Bill Casey came in with Ronald Reagan, 18, 1981, okay, I was there, okay, he picked Bobby Gates, who actually worked for me as a Russian analyst in the 70s. He picked Bobby Gates because when he said, when Casey said, how many Russians are under that rock in Nicaragua? Uh, uh, Casey would, uh, Gates would say, oh, there are three or four. No, there are five of them. Right answer. Is this, is this Robert Gates, the former defense secretary? That's right. Same fellow. Yeah. 
He became CIA director under the first uh, George Bush. He was a Soviet analyst. Long story short, Casey really liked him because he knew that just as James Clapper knows uh, that the Russians are, uh, you know, uh, genetically disposed to be really evil people. Okay, so he. The long story short, he he, he promoted all these people. He didn't know anything about Russia. For example, John McLaughlin, who became deputy director uh, of the CIA, he didn't know anything about Russia, so they put him in, in charge of the, the, the Russian analysis, okay? What happens when that all happens? Well, the people who <laughs> are smelling the best way to get advanced, uh, they know that Russia is just as Jim Clapper uh, described it, just as Bobby Gates described it. And when you get George Tenet, who is a protege of Bobby Gates, in from the White House, well, He'll do whatever, uh, whatever Cheney or anybody else wants. And when you get Tenet picking John Brennan, so uh, it's Gates beget Tenet, Tenet beget Brennan in biblical terms, <laughs> okay? And Brennan was going to do just about anything that, he, that, uh, that, that the, the administration required. Now, Clapper, he's just a symptom. Uh, Clapper was put in charge of imagery analysis, you know, that's all these satellites and stuff. You get all this. It's not just imagery. It's, well, it's uh, spectral. It's uh, radar. It's uh, infrared. It's, everything comes to this one unit uh, that Clapper was put in charge of before Iraq. Mm, that's right. And what happened? What happened to all these uh, weapons of mass destruction? How, how do you find weapons of mass destruction? <laughs> well, we got that place saturated with coverage. Did he find any? Well, you know, he apologized later in his book. Uh, you know, I, I called him on this because I thought it was so, I got to this, it was a meeting at Carnegie. When you live in Washington, you go to these things. This is the only time James Clapper appeared in public that I know of, but I went, okay? And I went early and I bought his book. It was really <laughs> 35 bucks I put out for that book. But then <laughs> what he says in the book, you know, he says, well, um, you know, the blame we were leaning forward because we know that the president wanted to make war on Iraq. He says this in the book, quote, the blame is due to intelligence officers, including me, who were so eager to help the administration make war on Iraq that we found what wasn't really there, period, end quote. What wasn't really there? We found weapons of mass destruction that weren't really there, end quote. Ray, let me just quote what he said back in 2003 when he was trying to, to justify the Iraq invasion. So he's then head of the Satellite Imagery Intelligence Agency, and he tells the New York Times that intelligence shows that Saddam, quote, unquestionably moved WMDs out of Iraq into Syria. And Clapper said, quote, I think people below the Saddam Hussein and his son's level saw what was coming and decided the best thing to do was to destroy and disperse. Well, he, he's, he disavows that in his book, okay? He says, oh, that was, you know, I shouldn't have been talking off the top of my head that that was really a little extreme. So I discredited myself on that. But what I asked him at this meeting, I said, well, now that's your record on Iraq. Are you found what wasn't really there? Now, fast forward to your service under Obama, my name is Ray McGovern. I'm part of Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity. Thanks for this book. It's very, very interesting. 
I'd like to refer to the Russian problem, but first, uh, there's an analogy that I see here. You were in charge of imagery analysis before Iraq. Mm -hmm. You confessed to having been shocked that no weapons of mass destruction were found. And then, to your credit, you admit, as you say here, Oh, this is bad. That the blame is due to intelligence officers, including me, who were so eager to help help the administration make war in Iraq, um, that we found that we found what wasn't really there. Okay. Now fast forward to this time two years ago. Uh, your superiors were hell bent on finding ways to blame Trump's victory on the Russians. Do you think that uh, your efforts were uh, guilty of the same sin here? Do you think that you found a lot of things that weren't really there? Because that's what our conclusion is, especially from the technical end. Yeah. There was no hacking on the DNC. It was a leak, and you know that if you've talked to NSA. Well, I have talked to NSA a lot, and I also know what uh, we briefed to then President-elect Trump on the 6th of January. And in my mind, uh, and I spent a lot of time in the SIGIN business, the forensic evidence was overwhelming about what the Russians had done. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind whatsoever. And let me just say this, that we have two former technical directors from NSA in our movement here, veteran intelligence professionals for sanity. We also have forensics, okay? Now the President himself, your president, President Obama, said two days before he left town, the conclusions of the intelligence community, this is 10 days after you briefed him, with respect to how WikiLeaks got the DNC emails are inconclusive, end quote. Now, why would he say that well, if I you had said it was conclusive? I, don't know what, I can't explain what he said or why, but I will tell you that, you know, we're, we are pretty sure we know, or knew at the time, how WikiLeaks got those emails. I'm not going to go into the technical yeah. details here about why we believe that. We are too. It, was, was. it was a leak onto a thumb drive, gotten to Julian Assange. Really simple. If you knew it, and the NSA has that information, you have a duty. You have a duty to confess to that, as well as to your... Confess to what? Confess to the fact that you've been distorting no, the evidence. I, I don't confess to The that. intelligence community assessment was that. without evidence. Hey, Ray. I, I, do, Ray, I do not confess to that. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I just simply don't agree with your conclusion. Well, now we know. <laughs> the, the forensics were incredible, all right. There weren't any forensics, and, uh, and nobody knows this because of the mainstream media. That's the main, that's the main conclusion of all this. Clapper goes on, what is it, CNN, and people think that he knows some stuff. Well, he knows how to be, how to be like what he describes the Russians as, completely deceptive, uh, completely self-justifying, and he's never held accountable for what he did before Iraq, not to mention what he did before, uh, during uh, 2016. Now, interesting en interestingly enough, uh, during that testimony before the House Intelligence Committee and another testimony, uh, when Clapper was asked under oath, did he see any evidence of uh, Russian collusion with the Trump campaign? He said, no, sir. No, no, no. It was only after he left uh, in mid-2016 
2017, where he started saying, oh, man, my dashboard lights were, oh, there were so many contacts between the Russians and the Tampa. Oh, my God. My, my, it was blinking red, my dashboard. Well, give me a break. The guy, you know, the guy, well, I need have to watch my language here, but uh, it's really interesting that all these 50 or so intelligence officers and national security officials thought that they should sign on under the signature of Jim Clapper on this stupid, stupid thing, which which has now been contradicted by the director of national intelligence, uh, by, by the FBI. I mean, hello, have they no shame? I guess I guess the answer to that is no. We're going to leave it there. Ray McGovern is a former longtime CIA officer. He is the co-founder of Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity. Ray, thanks a lot. You're most welcome. Welcome.